Welcome back, everybody, into the world of cannabis. We've got some really exciting content planned for us today. I've been looking forward to recording this episode for a long while now because I believe it's extremely relevant in today's society and it's long overdue. Cannabis and opioids will be the focus of this discussion, with today's episode being called Indirect Pharmaceutical Homicide, the Opioid Crisis in a Different Light. So amidst the opioid crisis and heroin epidemic across the United States right now, when looking at the title of today's podcast episode, you can kind of get the gist of what's in store. We'll go in-depth on a plethora of topics regarding cannabis and opioids, but I really want two main things to be taken away from this episode. First of all, I would like to bring to light how immoral and intentional, due to profits being made, the pharmaceutical industry has been in contributing to the opioid crisis in the United States. At the expense of people's lives and of the destruction of families, people are starting to finally wake up and realize the truths of opioids, and things are starting to change, but definitely not quickly enough for my liking. And secondly, out of today's episode, I want to show how cannabis could have prevented so many lives from being lost, and also how much of a safer alternative cannabis is to opioids for chronic pain and pain management. The good thing is, it's never too late to make a change. And throughout today's episode, we'll also discuss other examples and changes that are being made in sports and in other areas that prove cannabis has a promising future for pain management. Now, I'm not saying that we should completely abandon traditional medicine because I do believe there is a time and place for higher doses of opioids, but if you have a toothache, I don't think 30 Percocet should be given. Now, before we delve too much deeper into today's episode, I would like to correct a factual error I spoke in a prior episode. In the episode about cannabinoids and the cannabis plant, I said how the THCA, CBDA, CBCA, when those turn to THC, CBD, and CBC respectively, it's actually not called curing, it's called naturally decarboxylating. Decarboxylation happens when the acid is removed from the cannabinoids, making them bioavailable. This happens either naturally when the cannabis plant is exposed to light and oxygen, the acid will be removed. Or we can remove the acid from the cannabinoids manually by applying heat, with either combustion or vaporizing the plant material. Decarboxylizing, or removing the acid from the cannabinoids, is essentially what we're doing when we light a bowl or use a vaporizer. Another point I wanted to mention was that the ratio of terpenes, along with the ratio of cannabinoids in the cannabis plant, can greatly differ the effect provided. But for now, we just need to know that terpenes are major components of marijuana resin. They make up the largest percentage of aromatic essential oils found in most plants, especially conifers and citrus trees. They're pretty much the essence of the plant and responsible for the odor and the scent, but we'll find out in the later episode that terpenes are responsible for much, much more in the cannabis plant when relating to the effects provided. Now that all the preliminary stuff's out of the way, we can start exploring today's topic, cannabis and opioids. With the opioid crisis becoming widespread across the United States, I feel like if I didn't record this episode, it would be morally unjust. I've lost friends over opioid and heroin use, I've seen families destroyed over opioid and heroin use, and it's just gotta stop. I don't have the exact statistic on this, but if you ask 95% of people addicted to heroin, if they started with jamming a needle in their arm, they would probably say you're wrong. We need to focus in on the root source of where the addiction is coming from. Most heroin addicts would admit that they got addicted to prescription pills first and then it got to the point of no return where you're physically addicted to something, then it gets too expensive to buy the Oxycontins, the perks on the street, and it gets to the point where you actually need opioids to not suffer from withdrawals, shakes, things like that. 
Our bodies are use it or lose it, so whenever we're relying on a foreign substance in the body to help regulate and modulate the chemical processes such as anatomine, dopamine, serotonin, we lose our own ways of making those chemicals to keep us at a balance. So when we try to get away from the substance that we've been relying on and stop, our body's natural levels are even more out of whack than they were to begin with. And that's in layman's terms what addiction truly is. And this is a much less harmful example when compared to opioids, but if you take melatonin consistently every night for an extended period of time, when you try to get away from that melatonin, you're going to have more trouble falling asleep because you can't produce your own levels of melatonin that you naturally can and you're relying on a foreign substance. And on top of that, it's going to get to a point where whatever dosage you were taking of melatonin, to help you fall asleep, you're going to get used to that dosage and it's not going to be effective anymore. So you're going to need to up your dosage, digging yourself deeper and deeper into a hole. And that's what happens with opioids. And I almost don't blame people addicted to opioids as much as the mainstream media does because he or she who's using and addicted, it turns into a sociopath at a certain point. Obviously, some fault does lay on the addict because they shouldn't have got into whatever substance they're addicted to in the first place, but that can happen in the blink of an eye. He or she just doesn't care about anything but feeding the addiction. An addict will steal from family, they'll steal from stores, they'll really do anything to get their fix of opioids. I know that that true person inside wouldn't do some of these things, but the addiction eventually takes over his or her life. There's just not enough preventative measures being taken. In the United States, there's more than 200,000 opioid overdoses. 200,000 a year. That number's about 200,000 people too many for my liking, and I don't think we're really searching for the root of this problem, the pharmaceutical industry. And yes, I do believe there is still a place for opioids in severe cases of pain management, for example, in a hospital or after surgery. But these prescriptions need to be drastically limited and more sufficiently monitored. And yes, there are programs to dispose of the excess prescriptions given, but 9 times out of 10, these prescription pills, opioids, usually end up on the street or end up getting abused. We need to limit the amounts that are provided in the first place, which will lead to less exposure and accessibility to kids and adults, and which will ultimately lead to less addicted people. Even if a patient does need to use opioids in pain management, they may become physically addicted and may not be able to stop once the prescription ends. Natural, non-addictive methods of reducing pain need to be looked at first. And it all boils down to the money being made and the greed of the pharmaceutical industry, but we'll get to this in a bit. But the true shame is, is that the doctors know the addictive properties of opioids and the possible fatal outcomes that are involved, but they still continue to prescribe the medications. Doctors actually get paid from opioid manufacturers for the more opioids they prescribe. A Harvard study found that in 2014 and 2015, opioid manufacturers paid hundreds of doctors sums in the six figures, while thousands more were paid over $25,000. Michael Barnett, assistant professor of health policy and management at Harvard, stated that, I don't know if the money is causing the prescribing or the prescribing led to the money, but in either case, it's potentially a vicious cycle. It's cementing the idea for these physicians that prescribing this many opioids is creating value. And to add salt to the wound of doctors getting paid off, people who are addicted to heroin or opioids, they get sent to either a suboxone or a methadone clinic. 
Both are addictive substances as well. So the pharmaceutical industry's solution to the opioid crisis is another addictive drug, which is just the lesser of two evils. Suboxone and methadone are more of a crutch rather than a cure. The pharmacies don't want you getting too clean because then there's no money to be made. Let me tell you a story real quick as a side note, but I'm a manager at a CBD kiosk in a mall. And a woman there, we were speaking one time, she was a former addict, but she currently does go to a Suboxone clinic. And she said that they had a sign up that said CBD oil was going to show up as an opioid on drug tests. And she was asking me if that was true or not. And I told her bluntly that no, the opiate and the marijuana plant are completely separate entities. And they pretty much wanted to push her away from the CBD side of things because she was paying 140 bucks each month to get this box. And so they just wanted to keep filling their pockets month in and month out, which is, which is a disgrace. The pharmaceutical industry and medical professionals are people we're supposed to trust with our problems, but sometimes we do get guided in the wrong direction due to greed. Cannabis certainly is gaining ground on opioids for its use case in pain management, but it's a shame the negative impact that opioids are having along the way. Big Pharma is a billion-dollar industry, and cannabis is direct competition to their industry because of the multitude of ailments that it can treat, especially when compared to opioids. If you take a step back and think about it, big pharmacies are a business, and the sole purpose of running a business is to make money off of it. What better business model is it than to sell an addictive substance? You have customers for life. Now, it doesn't make it morally right, but as long as the profits are coming in, revenue is coming in, that business is going to continue to thrive. They've been put in a real precarious position as of late because they do know the extraordinary benefits and ultimate truths of cannabis as medicine, but they have another business strategy right now. There's an age-old saying called, don't fix something that isn't broken, which pharmacies are trying to make it seem like that's what's going on, but they do know it is a truly broken system and that there's healthier, holistic, natural ways to get medicine. And most importantly, non-addictive ways to treat ailments. And it truly sickens me that they try to make it seem like their hands are clean while they're still filling their pockets at the expense of people's lives. They're starting to change their tune, though, as of late, as Bayer and Monsanto are pushing and lobbying for corporate cannabis. They're starting to research and experiment with GMO cannabis, which will be much cheaper to make, so they think they can monopolize this industry as well. So the real green they see in the cannabis industry is not the green plants that can be used as medicine. They see the green piece of paper that can fill their pockets. Cannabis is good as is. It doesn't need to be genetically modified. There doesn't need to be additives to it. It doesn't need to be synthesized in the laboratory. It's good as is. It's a plant. It goes through photosynthesis. needs sunlight, oxygen, water, like any plant. It's like a tomato plant. So it does worry me when I hear the pharmaceutical industry talk about GMOs and cannabis because I do know they're not in it for the right reasons. The power is to the people as the consumers to keep this from happening no matter how much money's behind it. Opioid addiction was kept quiet as long as it possibly could have been by pharmacies and big money groups, but lives are being lost so people are waking up. And rightly so. The fight against the opioid crisis in Big Pharma isn't quite over by any means. It's definitely getting better, but it's not over. The war may actually just be beginning. I could talk to Elm Blue in the face about the pharmaceutical industry, but I'll let the listener draw their own conclusions on this topic. Studies coming out about cannabis and pain management are showing outstanding results pertaining to both managing pain and reducing opioid use. 
In states that have legalized medical marijuana, chronic pain is one of the ailments that cannabis is used to treat. And ironically enough, medical marijuana is used to treat opioid addiction. Medical marijuana directly correlates with the reduction of opioid overdoses. Studies show that states with medical marijuana laws had nearly 25% fewer deaths from opioids. Recently, an exhaustive literature review of over 10,000 scientific abstracts by the National Academy of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine determined there's conclusive or substantial evidence that cannabis is effective for the treatment of chronic pain in adults. Another clinical trial, which looked at a cohort of uh, 1,200 cancer patients over a six-month period, concluded that nearly half of respondents reported either decreasing or eliminating their use of opioids when given access to cannabis during their treatment. The Minnesota Department of Health gathered 2016 data from patients enrolled in Michigan's Cannabis Access Program reported that marijuana treatment was associated with a 64% decrease in opioid use, decreased number in side effects of medication, and an improved quality of life. New Mexico patient data reports compared to non-users, medical cannabis enrollees were more likely either to reduce daily opioid prescription dosages between the beginning and end of the sample period, 83.8% versus 44.8%, or to cease filling opioid prescriptions altogether, going from 40.5% all the way down to 3.4%. Those numbers are drastic for that sample period of time. The available scientific data when pertaining to cannabis as an alternative to opioids is both consistent and persuasive. In the professional sports world, using cannabis for pain management is becoming more widely accepted. In the National Football League, players are coming out and proving the benefits of cannabis. In comparison to the traditional method for treating severe pain and brain injuries in the NFL, opioids, marijuana is found to be a less harmful and non-addictive solution. Former NFL player Martellus Bennett believes about 90% of the players in the league use marijuana. Bennett explained that NFL players are using it for other reasons than getting high. He says, There are times of the year where your body just hurts so bad. You don't want to be popping pills all the time. There are anti-inflammatory drugs you take so long that they start to eat at your liver, kidneys, and things like that. A human made that. God made weed, Bennett says. Other former NFL players, such as Eugene Monroe and Ricky Williams, are advocates for cannabis as the alternative to opioids for pain management in the league. Still, marijuana remains on the NFL's banned list, although it takes two positive tests for the drug before suspension is issued. Cannabis isn't just being used in the NFL either, it's used in the National Hockey League as well. This was something that was kept somewhat quiet until recently, but the NHL doesn't ban a player for testing positive for THC and drug tests. Now, longtime player and Hall of Famer Adam Oates is coming out and trying to progress cannabis use in the NHL even farther by funding and carrying out studies to give hardcore evidence on the benefits the plant can provide. The results from cannabis use have been somewhat anecdotal until now, but studies will solidify the benefits and reasons why cannabis does work as an alternative in pain management. It's both A, less damaging to the body, and B, not physically addictive. I have only the utmost respect for Adam Oates for taking this initiative, as well as other groups and individuals that are doing the same. Not only is cannabis benefiting the National Football League and National Hockey League, it's also making a positive impact in the Olympics. Cannabidiol, or CBD, was released from the banned substances list by the World Anti-Doping Agency in 2016. And another fact that is commonly forgotten whenever 
talking about cannabis relative to opioids is it's physically impossible to die from overdosing cannabis where that's obviously not the case with opioids. The reason opioids can kill you and marijuana can't is because opioids affect the part of the brain that regulates breathing. When people take high dosages of opioids, it can lead to an overdose with the slowing or stopping of breathing and sometimes death. Cannabis does not have this type of effect on the central nervous system. The absolute worst possible outcome from taking too much cannabis can be you might feel a little lethargic or you might get hungry due to the THC stimulating the appetite. It will truly be a shame to look back in 5, 10, or however many years it takes to conquer the opioid crisis and heroin epidemic, hopefully sooner, but we'll be able to see what cannabis could have done and prevented the whole time. It sickens me to know how greedy and immoral some groups and individuals can be and how the transparent truth of cannabis and opioids has been kept under the rug for so many years. The title of this episode being Indirect Pharmaceutical Homicide is frankly what's happening right in front of our eyes. It is up to us, the people, the inhabitants of the world of cannabis, to stand up and continue to fight the good fight and make our voices heard. There's a quote from Gandhi, it's, Be the change that you wish to see in the world. And that's what we need to continue to do right now as we unite as one. And as always, please don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, and share so we can spread our message to the world. Also, head to theworldofcannabis.org to check out some more written cannabis-related content. I'd like to thank you all for joining the discussion today, and we'll see you back here next time. Until then, enjoy the world of cannabis.